Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Big, big news day, not only in New York City, where the judges imposed a partial gag order on Donald Trump, <clears throat> but in Washington, D.C. and uh, other places. So let's start with Washington, D.C., historic day, the first time in American history a Speaker of the House has been ousted by a vote of the House. Remember, the vote is of all um, members of the House who are present. And the Democrats contributed to the demise of the speakership of um, Kevin McCarthy by not showing up and not voting. A number of them uh, simply didn't vote and, um, and or didn't show up. And so you didn't need the usual 218 to... Um, uh, get rid of him. You needed, um, I think, 214 or 215. They got 216. So although they had a minority of the total number of houses, of, of uh, members of the House, they had enough of a majority of the number of people voting in, in, in present. So there's no longer a Speaker of the House of Representatives. There's a Speaker of Pro Temp, and there's a kind of revolution going on in the House by basically just a couple of handfuls of uh, Republican extremists. Look, both parties have their their extremes. In fact, they joined together. At least one of the people who voted uh, not present, who didn't show up for the vote, was uh, Congresswoman Bush, who was probably, if not the most extreme, hard left um, member of uh, of Congress uh, among them. Um, and um, and then you have. People like Getz on the on the other side, who's seems fairly extreme. Now you know there'll be efforts to look at Getz as well. Um, you know there have been allegations against him in his personal life, and those are are either before some ethics committee or will be before an ethics committee. But the courts will stay out of this. Uh, the Constitution specifically provides that each house shall be the judge of the matters within. In the House, so the courts never get involved in these kinds of um, issues about who will be the speaker or who will be the president pro temp or who will be the majority leader. That's always going to be up to uh, House members or, in the case of the Senate, uh, Senate uh, members. <laughs> Speaking of the Senate, they got involved a little bit today, too, because Donald Trump. Uh, posted a picture, or somebody posted a picture, and Donald Trump then made a statement about a friendship uh, between uh, the judge's law clerk, the judge who's presiding over this case, the judge who's already made the decision uh, to grant summary judgment in favor of the attorney general, that the judge's law clerk is, um, according to Trump, a bit too friendly with um, uh, the senior senator from New York, the majority leader, of the United States Senate, um, Chuck Schumer. Uh, I have no idea whether there's any truth uh, to that. There is a photograph, and all a photograph shows is what any uh, prominent person in public life has, pictures where people come up to them and take pictures. Uh, 
happens to me all the time. Um, and uh, and uh, that could be an innocent explanation, uh, but it could be uh, uh, a different explanation. We don't know. There have been no comments from Schumer, no comments from the woman. The judge, however, trying to protect his staff, has said that he will not tolerate uh, any attacks on his staff. Judge has no right to do that. Let's assume, let's assume hypothetically, a person's walking out of the courtroom and he sees uh, the law clerk get a bribe uh, from the other side, not suggesting that ever happened. Um, it has happened in, in the past in New York. I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. But surely um, he would have a right, uh, a litigant would have a right to go to the press and say, I saw, I saw a bribe being paid. Oh, or I saw her having an affair with uh, a member of the other side. So judges can't just shut people up that way. There is a First Amendment. So there's the funny story. And people tell me it's true, although some people say it's apocryphal. There was a very, very um, uh, innovative clerk who in civil cases in Brooklyn back in the 1930s, when there was a lot of corruption, um, would go to each litigant in a, in a commercial suit, say somebody was suing somebody for $10,000, and, uh, and privately say to each of them, look, I think I can get to the judge. Um, if you give me $1,000, um, I can assure you, um, um, you know, it, 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 it will have an impact. And, and the, the person would say, well, how do I know? How do I know? And, 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 and the, the, the cricket clerk would say, look, here's what we're going to do. I, I don't know if I can get to the judge or not. But if I can get to the judge and you win the case, you owe me a thousand dollars. That understood? Okay. Yeah. He would tell that to each side. And then of course he never went to the judge. He never did anything corrupt with the judge. The judge didn't do anything corrupt, but one side won and the other side lost. And the side that won, he would go and say, well, you see, I got to the judge, pay me the thousand dollars. And the other side, he'd say, sorry, I just couldn't get to the judge. Sorry that you lost. That's a story that was making the rounds in New York. And it story like that, could only make the rounds if it had some plausibility and credibility. When I was growing up in Brooklyn, it was well known if you wanted to get your kid into downstate medical school, um, you had to pay a congressman. And uh, the congressman would have two offices, uh, one his congressional office and one a private business office. And you retained him to be your lawyer to help your son get into medical school as if you need to have a lawyer to get your son into medical school. And uh, you'd pay him a fee, and the fee would be divided, and 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 uh, the person would 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 get into into medical school. Um, so judges can't just unilaterally say to people, "You can't talk." We'll see if this is upheld. Apparently, um, the Trump people, whoever did this, took down the um, the photograph and took down the um, allegation that there was more than. Uh, just uh, uh, a photographic connection between the two. So I don't know what the end result of that will be, but it's very clear that Trump is going to just go to court every day and and uh, make it difficult uh, for the judge. I think, you know, Trump is smart enough to know there's no way he wins this case. Uh, he's already lost the case. Um, which brings me to the third issue I wanted to talk about today, the issue that uh, uh, is in the headline, was Trump denied a jury? It's a complicated question, but it makes no difference because even if Trump had had a jury, if his lawyers had demanded, I have a right under the Seventh Amendment, Seventh Amendment hasn't been held applicable to the states, but even if I have a right 
to uh, a jury and I have a jury, the judge could still grant summary judgment. Summary judgment takes the case away from the jury, at least as to those issues that are subject to summary judgment. So the issue of whether or not he overvalued his property and whether he committed fraud, that issue wasn't going to a jury anyway. The judge was taking it away. Even if there had been a jury, the judge would have said, no, jury doesn't get to hear that because the evidence is so clear. I'm so much smarter than the jury. By the way, this judge in his little um, interview that he did, you can get it on YouTube, I guess. I've just seen it. Um, um, says, I don't like juries. They sometimes get it wrong. I'm smarter than the juries. Um, and you can see his attitude as a real elitist, exactly what Thomas Jefferson was fearful of and what Madison was fearful of and why Madison introduced uh, the Seventh Amendment to the Constitution and uh, Fifth Amendment in criminal cases and Sixth Amendment. Um, but not this judge. This judge doesn't like juries. He thinks they get it wrong a lot. And so he has tools. He has tools. And somebody asked him, but what if there's a case right on point? And he laughs and he says, there's no case on point. What if the defendant in one case was wearing a red sweater and the other one was wearing a blue sweater? I could distinguish those cases. No, you can't. Not if you're honest. No, you can't. Go back to the Bible. Don't recognize faces and don't recognize sweaters. Don't recognize the color that a sweater is being worn by, by somebody. This judge, you should look at that interview. This judge seems to me like somebody who's absolutely telling people, don't count on me to do objective neutral um, justice by simply applying the law. My own emotions, you know, I have tools. I have ways of avoiding uh, the law. So I just don't trust this judge. Maybe he'll try to pose a gag order on me. No, no, you're not going to shut me up. I'm looking at this case. I wish I could watch it on television. It should be on television. It's not on television. And uh, who will guard the guardians? Who will judge the judges? Well, I'm going to be part of that process. I'm going to be judging the judges as, as much information as I can as I can get. And there'll be an appeal. There'll be several appeals. I mean, as you know, in New York, um, basically you get three bites at the apple, at least in theory. You get to appeal to the appellate division, uh, which are judges who are elected for terms of office. Um, they're between the lower trial court and the ultimate court, which in New York is not called the Supreme Court. It's called the Court of Appeals. So uh, if you lose, and Trump's already lost, he knows that. Uh, if you lose at, at, at trial, you can appeal to the appellate division. And then if you lose there, you can seek to appeal to the New York Court of Appeals. They don't have to grant review. They don't grant review in most cases, but they do in some. So you have that. And then, of course, you always have the Supreme Court of the United States, which, excuse me, which um, uh, has limited jurisdiction only on constitutional issues. And I think there are some constitutional issues um, in this case. Um, you know, the issue of a jury trial is complicated in New York because this statute, uh, which permits the judge very wide discretion to impose all kinds of remedies, um, has a little bit of what's called law and a little bit of what's called equity. And in equity, you don't get a jury trial, but in law, you get a jury trial. And so it's not completely self-evident 
that even if the defense had demanded a jury trial on every single issue in the case, that the court would have granted them the, the jury trial. Maybe it would have granted them a jury trial on some of the issues and not on others. The state didn't want a jury trial. I don't blame them. Uh, with a judge like this, who would want a jury trial? I mean, you have a judge who's willing to take it away from the jury and, and rule and, and make absurd analogies um, to um, uh, the value of property in Florida worth uh, $18 million. Look, the market's gone down a lot today, so we probably all lost money. But I tell you, if I had a chance to buy Mar-a-Lago today, even without very much money, I'd be able to borrow it. Um, uh, for, for $27 million, I'd be able to sell it for 20 times that amount in a few days. So, um, you know, this judge uh, has a lot to answer for. Um, the judge will say, no, I didn't say it was worth $27 million. All I said was that it was assessed at $27 million. And when he says it's worth, you know, a billion or, or close to that, that must be that must be fraud along with the claim that he had 30,000 square feet of residence when he only had 11 or so thousand square feet of residence. Those are issues that ought to be decided by a jury. Those are issues that require expert analysis, call in real estate agents from around the area, uh, 40 Wall Street, what do you think it's worth? Uh, are comparable buildings being sold? What have they gotten? Uh, what about the, the Trump Tower? Does the fact that Donald Trump live there, a former president, does that elevate the value? Does it undervalue it because Donald Trump lived there? It's very unique. And these are issues that should be decided not by a judge, but by a jury. But the judge who doesn't trust juries and doesn't like juries very much and thinks that juries get it wrong too often has tools. And one of those tools is summary uh, judgment. But I think he uses summary judgment in this case. Uh, improperly, and the issue should have gone to to the jury. Um, it may still go to a jury because the Court of Appeals, the appellate division, one of those courts may very well reverse and send it back for um, a jury trial. Also, you know, the issue of whether or not New York law uh, can be interpreted to mean what it seems to say, and that you can be convicted of fraud civilly, to be sure, but you can be convicted of fraud without intention, just based on making a mistake. Um, that doesn't seem to be right. Fraud suggests something a lot more than a, a mistake. And and um, when the lawyers try to argue that and other issues, statute of limitations, you name it, the lawyers have obviously have a job to do that. They have to raise every possible issue. The judge said to them, essentially, you get to argue this once. If I rule against you, hey, that's it. You're not going to have a chance to argue it a second time. And I'm going to hold you sanctionable if you do argue it a second time. I tell you, I argue cases all the time and repeat arguments that have been rejected. And sometimes you get the judge to change his mind. Sometimes even if you don't, you want the appellate court to know that you raised this over and over again. It's just didn't, didn't raise it just once and then forget about it or waive it. So this judge has made ready, apparently, at least from my viewing of what I've seen, uh, so many errors that if it were a normal case not involving Donald Trump, it would be um, immediately immediately reversed uh, on appeal. But 
there's no guarantee that this case will be reversed on appeal because of who the defendant is in this case, because it's Donald Trump. Look, as I've said before, does anyone believe that um, Letitia James would have gone after John Doe uh, based on the same uh, information? Of course not. It's only because he was the president, because he's trying to become president again, because he's provocative, because he is who he is, that she has targeted him. Um, if she started to target every real estate dealer in New York, she would have nothing else to do. She would have no time to protect the citizens of New York against people um, uh, who, 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 you know, from, from people who really need to be protected from. The last people in the world who need the protection of the attorney general are the big banks that lend money to real estate people like Donald Trump. They have complete ability to, to do that. They have their own uh, assessors, real estate people. They have everybody, accountants. Uh, they have you know former IRS agents uh, working for them. Um, they have the ability to self-correct and to say to Donald Trump, no, 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 you say it's worth this. No, we think it's worth this. And we're the ones who are lending you money. So our views prevail. Yours don't. So Donald Trump did not defraud anybody. Let's be very clear about that. You may argue that he tried, but he, how would he try? He would know that they were going to look at this kind of thing. It, 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 you don't defraud somebody um, when you say things that you know they're going to assess on, on, on their own. And there is no allegation or evidence that a single bank lost a single penny. So again, what is the attorney general doing going after um, Donald Trump and protecting the biggest banks in the world when they could easily have protected themselves. Every minute that's devoted to going after Donald Trump is a minute that could be spent going after predators or going after people who take advantage of uh, poor people who don't have the resources to uh, do their own investigation and the resources to hire um, uh, accountants or real estate experts to, to look into um, um, the claims uh, that are made. So this case stinks from beginning to end. You know, in my book, Get Trump, I, um, I talk about this case. I talk about Letitia James. Why do I talk about it? I talk about it because I named my book after her. She used Get Trump as a campaign pledge. Basically, what she said is, I'm running on the promise of getting Trump. And if I get him, please vote for me again. But if I don't get him, I can understand why you wouldn't vote for me. So she has a political incentive to get Trump regardless of the evidence. And the same thing is true, I think, of the district attorney of Manhattan, who came up with the weakest possible indictment uh, ever. Look, I've gotten letters from people saying, why are you so focused on Trump? You're not even a Trump supporter. No, I'm not. But I am a supporter of the Constitution, the rule of law, and equal justice for all. And right now, it's Donald Trump who is being subjected to unequal justice and partisan justice and, and political justice. Uh, I'd be happier if it were somebody who I could support with more enthusiasm um, personally. Um, for example, Senator Menendez. I happen to like Senator Menendez. I like his voting record. 
I like his uh, opposition to the Iran deal. I like his support for Israel. I like a lot of things about him. And if I were in New Jersey, I'd probably vote for him. I'd want to see what the evidence is of these alleged briberies and the gold bars and the cash sticking out of the pocket. But he's somebody I'd be more sympathetic to than, than Donald Trump. But I don't pick my causes based on whether somebody's wearing a red sweater or a blue sweater, as the judge seems to, or whether or not somebody is a Democrat or Republican or whether I would vote for the person or not. Right now, Donald Trump is being subjected to partisan, double standard injustice. And I'm going to keep fighting against that, no matter who that person is. Today, it's Donald Trump. Tomorrow, it could be your nephew or niece. And the day after tomorrow, it could be you or me. Um, and so uh, I'm in this fight. Um, look, I've myself been victimized by it. As you know, the 65 Project came after me when I uh, said I would represent pro bono anybody who um, was targeted by the 65 Project. So they targeted me and filed a bar complaint against me, which I'm fighting, but it's costing me a lot of money, a lot of time. I've had to hire bunch of lawyers uh, um, in different places because uh, these complaints are, you know, widespread. Um, and so, uh, you know, today it's me, tomorrow it's you. All right, let's see what you have to say in terms of letters. I got a lot of them, so, <clears throat> and I'm sure there are more coming in as a result of what's going on in Washington, D.C. now in the House of Representatives. Stop it, Alan. This is really an idea of somebody who writes me a letter, obviously, Either is too stupid to know what I'm saying or doesn't even bother to listen. Listen to this letter. Stop it, Alan. You know very well banks make the decisions to lend or not to lend, bend on their own assessor's judgment, not the word of the applicant. It's absolute rubbish to contend any kind of crime has been committed other than legal corruption by the DA, the judge, the whole dirty system. Duh. That's what I've been saying, you jerk. But you say... Stop it, Alan. No, you don't want me to stop it. You want me to continue it, but you don't know enough to even say that. So, you know, keep the letters coming. I read the stupid ones as well as the smart ones. Fortunately, there are a lot more smart ones than stupid ones. Here's one. Many innocent people have been freed from jail because lawyers worked on their behalf for free. Remember, this is in response to a letter that somebody wrote talking about stupid letters. Oh, I don't mind if you make money defending guilty criminals, but don't ever do it for free. That makes you into a and then he used a terrible word. Um, um, no, I'm going to continue to represent people for free. In fact, the shocking number of them were on death row, innocent people. Check out the Innocence Project uh, if you don't believe me. If not for those lawyers who work long and hard with little or no pay, these innocent people wrongly convicted would still be in jail or dead. Thank you, Alan, for helping those who couldn't afford to hire a good attorney. I did my first cases. I didn't have any money. I was making, I think, $7,500 a year as an assistant professor at Harvard. And I took all of my first cases uh, pro bono. And they were unpopular defendants. And throughout my 60-year career, I've taken half, now more than half, of my cases uh, pro bono. I'm going to continue to do that no matter what you write me. Okay. I have to disagree with you withholding that seventh banana. Corrupt officials in banana republics use litigation to destroy their political opponents, both civil and criminal. They confiscate property and go after family members of their opponents. They try to set precedents to warn others that they'd better toe the line. Tell me that isn't happening here. I know I think it is happening here. But in banana republics, 
they do much worse. Uh, they kill their political opponents. Uh, they actually succeed in throwing them uh, in jail. Uh, Putin arranges for uh, air flights. Um, the same thing happened in China. Um, and so we're not quite up to seven. I hope we don't ever get to seven. And I wouldn't award a seventh banana based on a, a civil case. I, I would wait until there's a, um, a conviction in a criminal case. I suspect we're going to get to the seventh banana, but not there yet. This is just another one the same. Thank you for your work defending defendants who can't afford defense, guilty and innocent. Every individual needs a great defense for our benefit not just for theirs. I agree with that. Um, professor, <laughs> please talk about the judge smiling, big grin in court. <laughs> Here's judge, uh, and he mentions the judge's name, smiling at the camera. Um, I, I can't uh, show it, but uh, the judge kind of sat back. And as soon as he saw the camera, he took off the glasses and kind of <clears throat> mugged, you know, um, boy, am I good looking. And uh, it was absurd for the judge to allow cameras to come in just to give him his one um, 15 seconds of fame and allow the camera to pan on, um, on uh, President Trump as well as uh, the prosecutors. No, he should have allowed um, the cameras in uh, to see the trial, not to see the judge. Uh, but more and more, he's reminding me of, of Judge Ito. Um, this is his moment. Um, he's going to do the right thing, and then he's going to apply for a job in the appellate division, maybe in the court of appeals, um, or maybe he'll retire and become uh, a name partner in a big uh, law firm. But I think he sees this as his opportunity, and that may explain the the mugging. Um, but uh, I really do urge you to to look at the um, look at the interview he gave. I'm not a technical person, but my son Elon will try to find that and put it on my website. So uh, you can probably go and 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 see it, or if I can get it and show it uh, tomorrow, that would be very interesting to see if I can actually put it on the air because uh, it really <laughs> tells us all you need to know about this judge and about how he approaches his job of doing justice. Um, okay, here's an interesting, fun one. Everything about the past episode was great, but especially your perfect and funny explanation of a slam dunk metaphor. Well done. Impressed that you could touch the rim. You were wrong about that. I'm wrong about what? Where slam dunk comes from. It was created by uh, Chick Hearn, the announcer from the... Uh, from the um, uh, you know, uh, not the, not the, you know, who, 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 a basketball announcer. Yeah. So, sure. so it was a slam dunk. But it was, but he invented the term. Oh, well, that's fine. But the yeah. term comes from yeah, the fact. Wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to give credit to whoever deserves credit, but the Lakers, uh, Chick Hearn of the Lakers. I'm happy to give him credit. Okay. I don't remember the term ever being used when I was a kid because no. nobody in my community could slam dunk, but I could <laughs> touch the rim. I was five nine, and there was a guy on our team who was six three, named Jerry Lloyd, um, and I could jump higher than he could. Um, I, I, some of my my teammates called me the rabbit. Uh, I had I was really a good jumper, and um, in track meets, I would compete in the broad jump, both uh, the running and the standing broad jump, 
So I could jump very high and I could touch the rim. And it was a real thrill to be able to touch the rim and I would uh, show off. And uh, But I could never get above the rim and to do a slam dunk. You have to get considerably above the rim. So I'm not, I'm not claiming that at all. And um, I did, you know, Madison Square Garden. I have a, I, right here in my office, I have the program uh, in Madison Square Garden with me on one side and Ralph Lipschitz, otherwise known as Ralph Lauren, on the other side. Uh, they beat us, unfortunately, but it was, it was fun being, being in Madison Square Garden. Okay, so a lot, a lot to digest uh, today. Um, and, you know, I, I, I never know what I'm going to talk about tomorrow because the news changes so dramatically and so quickly. I didn't think that Getz would be able to pull it off. Um, as somebody wrote me uh, saying, now that Getz has caught the car, metaphor, the analogy to a dog catching a car, <laughs> what's he going to do with it? Getz doesn't get elected anything because he can't get more than a few handful of people supporting him, but he can be a spoiler. And um, there are a lot of spoilers out there. So come back tomorrow and, and see what we're going to discuss and see who we're going to discuss and see who we're going to criticize. Uh, see you tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.